a Highline podcast. This is Ravel, a roundtable show about the complexity of faith in the age of information. My name's Josh. I'm Stephen. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of American Christianity, and we still keep thinking about how to take it seriously, even as we leave some beliefs behind. We think theology should be an exploratory dialogue, so our hope is that this podcast will encourage growth, both for individuals and communities. We don't have all the answers, but we're here to sort out as much as we can over a drink or two. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening. And welcome back, my friends. Josh, Emily... I feel like it's been forever since I've spoken to you last. How are you? Hey-o. I mean, it's been a week, but I'm good. Yeah. It's been good. It's been a whole yeah. week. Whatever. It's been a whole <laughs> week. <laughs> Steven, you're sounding a lot better over here. Like Thank you're much, you. Much better sounding crisp. Mm, mm, nice and crisp. Nice yeah. and crisp. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, my, uh, my flu symptoms have finally cleared. Man, that, that last episode I recorded, I had just regained my voice. Like a full two days, mm-hmm. I did not have a voice. I could not speak, um, which is bad for podcasting, we discovered. So yeah, we he's made back, it through. He's back to speaking in tongues. I, 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 I. <laughs> oh wow. What, what a weird way to say that. that? <laughs> I feel so uncomfortable right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing. What are you guys, what are you guys drinking? <laughs> well, since I gave up caffeine for Lent, oh. I had, I had, yeah. I had to find some good alternatives for beverages. And luckily, my British blend tea, they do make it decaffeinated. So guess what your girl is drinking? Yeah. Decaffeinated yeah. British blend. And yeah. water, I bet. No water. And maybe a body armor. No body armor. Nope. Just, oh, just the tea. You have one drink today? Not even water? But it, the mug is like as big as my head. That's a big mug. <laughs> <laughs> That's mean. That felt like mean. Your head is not big. <laughs> I shouldn't say it like that. That's rude. It's okay. Josh, what it's are you fine. giving up for Lent and what are you drinking? I'm I'm giving up uh listening to bad podcasts. I don't know. I'm not really giving up anything. Not a Lenten absorber. I'm drinking a Green Goddess juice. Oh. Terrible name, but delicious juice. And I'm drinking a tangerine LaCroix um, because I felt like I ate a lot of Really good food this weekend, so I'm not drinking an alcohol today. <laughs> there you go. Oh, calorie you conscious. Like, yeah, not drinking. Yeah, a beer and I'm just or like you know, like when you get back from a road trip and you just like feel dehydrated, and you're like, "What have I been eating?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just like need to drink and eat something good. That's how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. That's fair. What about you, Stephen? For Lent, I uninstalled Twitter from my phone. That's why you're not responding to me. I'm still using Twitter. <laughs> it's just I. Oh, I'm. Getting on the website, yeah, on my Mac, right? So it's, I've heard that's kind of nice, though. Is it nice so far? It is nice so far. Hmm. I've had a couple times where I just opened my phone and I'm like, "Oh, I see where my habits are," because I'm looking for Twitter. And I'm like, "It's not there." Mm. <laughs> oh, yep. Oh. So that's something I've I've observed uh, tonight. I am drinking a key lime Lacroix because it is the king of Lacroix oh. flavors. Praise be to the king. Praise be to the <laughs> yeah. The King Key Lime. Absolutely. <laughs> we have some announcements at the top to get through before we get to our episode. The first yes, of we which do. I want to talk about the Highline survey that is currently going on through the month of March. The survey takes like less than three minutes to fill out. It's completely anonymous. And at the end of it, you have an opportunity to get a free sticker from us. You can uh, pick Ravel. You could pick any other show on the Highline network but we're uh we're just kind of in this project of learning more about our audiences so that we can do some really fun projects later this year so fill that out at highline.network slash survey link is also in the show notes link is in the show notes i would love to send you some free stuff and a handwritten note because that's what i've been doing also thank you to everyone who's like bought a bag of beans a couple people have and we there's been a couple people who've definitely come from ravel because you've gotten a ravel sticker so heck yeah shout out to you thank Mm -hmm. you and a special shout out, we have a new patron, the wonderful, the amazing Elise has joined our Patreon and she's going to be on the Discord with us, hopefully. Um, so thank you, Elise. You got 
two LaCroix and a tea. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> For us today. <laughs> Delightful. Josh, you had an announcement. You were actually. Oh, yeah. I was on a I was on a podcast uh, from veterans of culture wars, um, some of my fellow Seattleites. And if you want some additional Mars Hill content, we talked a little bit about like their experience and they go more in depth on their podcast, not on my episode. But if you want to hear more of me, you can go listen to them over there. They're great. Love those guys. Fantastic. And all three of us are actually booking guest spots on other shows that we are excited to collaborate with. So just be on the lookout for all those across social media. And obviously we'll plug them here. We'll talk about them here. So, all right. Announcements over. Thank you for keeping that short. I feel like some churches don't do very good about doing the announcements fast and like going through the bulletin, you know, sometimes it can drag on really bad. So, or like for a while, a lot of places were doing video announcements, which at first I thought was fun. Yeah. But then Then it just becomes cumbersome. uh, yeah. And it's a lot of extra work for a tech team, like video, audio, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, anyway, mm-hmm. all right. It's a lot for a church to do. It really yes, is. Yes, it is. It is yes, my it turn is. for a topic, and I'm actually not, like, I wasn't leading us into a segue here. I'm not talking about church at all today. <gasps> I put out a tweet a while ago. Josh, I think you ended up emulating it, and I'm curious to know your experience, but I put out a tweet that was a poll asking my Twitter followers if they find me sometimes across my podcast and my Twitter presence to be too optimistic. What? Yep. What? Are we seriously discussing this? Listen, I'm getting somewhere. <laughs> okay. Uh, so my experience, I, I got a few replies, I think within 20 responses, which is, I mean, what do, what do they say in statistics? Like 30 is what you want. So you can start as- extrapolating out beyond that but yeah i so i have a few friends who anonymously say that yes they think i am too optimistic sometimes like maybe what got me thinking about it emily was a few episodes ago where you you straight up said like well i mean some people might think that steven has rose-colored glasses in that moment you know ah so that's what we got me thinking about it and then i put this poll out and josh i don't know what your uh experience was of that I didn't I didn't check in on your results when those came in. I don't know either. I want to say if I remember right, I think I almost phrased it the exact same way you did and I think I was surprised that people didn't say I was too optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe it's because I'm I'm like a little bit more jokey on Twitter. Like I'm a little bit more like nihilistic like embracing that side of humor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. So, I don't know, maybe that's just representative of who I am in that space. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been thinking about my personal brand of optimism because I I like to think that I kind of operate in my life as a pretty optimistic and enthusiastic person. It's, it's, at least I think so. It's rare that you catch me in a bad mood or an especially foul mood related to like, well, I just think everything is terrible right now or overly pessimistic. But so what I'm really wondering, here's the drop is I'm curious to interrogate the roles of optimism and hope in our lives and see how intertwined that becomes with privilege. Whoa. Interesting. Whoa. Okay. Because the more and more I think about my personal feeling of optimism, hmm. even for the world in general, right? Like I, f- I think... A generous take of Christian universalism is pretty optimistic, right? Because here I am saying everything's going to be okay, there's no hell, and we're all going to enjoy whatever it is that's after this. I think that's a good example of optimism does not necessarily mean toxic positivity. Mm. Oh, Like you're not necessarily denying suffering and pain. You're not like invalidating people's experiences of abuse and trauma but you're you're still like aiming towards there's a more optimal future ahead sure but what i'm worried about is that i am accidentally invalidating those things because in my life like i feel like maybe it's a privileged thing to believe in universalism because ultimately like Hmm. it's easy for me to look at the world and be like everything is going to figure itself out everything is going to be fine i believe in like the power of humanity or whatever in a generous way. And is that just because I am white, straight, cishet, like 
I've gotten green lights my entire life, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's where my optimism comes from or if it's something else. Ooh. Initially, I'm like thinking about how your view of like your description of universalism, I think is really similar to the way most Christians feel about heaven anyway. Like it's all going to be okay in the end. Like there's like a better future ahead. Like we're going to be at peace. There's going to be no war, no tears. Like you believe in that. You just believe there's going to be more people there. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like (laughs) all people there. In fact, So I don't think it's like too like, I think like numbers wise, it's obviously different, but in terms of like optimism and hope for afterlife and like, Hmm. like the end of suffering and evil, like you pretty much believe the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so I think that's interesting. Uh, My initial reflection on like framing it in terms of optimism, I've never thought about this before, but I wonder if there's a relationship between uh, like our modern definition of optimism and like it sharing a root with optimal. I'm guessing it must. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. There's like a more optimal way of being or existence of whatever the thing is we're talking about. Like we're not at full efficiency here or something. Also with the the root word for like optometry, right? It's uh, like something about vision, clear vision or. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I wonder. I think it's forward. It's forward gazing, like future Mm -hmm. gazing, looking toward the future with optimism. Yeah. I can see that relationship. I can see that. But so like, what I'm really curious about is, I mean, through the ages, the, the persecution of Christians have, has turned out some wildly optimistic people in the midst of suffering. And I feel like I can join them in the, optim, the optimism part of their life, but like I'm coming from the exact opposite of their experience. Say more about that. What do you, what do you mean? Like, do you have an example off the top of your head? <sighs> I mean, like I've, I've never... <laughs> I've never had to read a page of a Bible by candlelight, right? Mm. A page at a time or like uh, even underground church. Like I have the privilege Mm. of just choosing to turn my nose up at church for the last couple of years. Whereas some people like don't even have the choice. Like church Mm. is just illegal where they are. And in general, I mean like just an experience of pain. I even think about the suffering episode we just did based on Courtney's question. I've never been sick like that. Like I've never, I guess, like had an exper- a Job-like experience, and that's what I mean by, you know, I think we also talked about the way all the, uh, like the giants of other faith, like Ram Dass or Thich Nhat Hanh, are like the most joyful people. They laugh a lot, they goof around a lot, and yet they've they've been through like the worst of what humanity can look like, mm. pitted against one another. And I like to think I have the same kind of joy and humor and like, I laugh a lot. I joke around a lot, but I've also never had the, the trying times, I guess, trial by fire that they have. And I guess over the last few weeks, I'm just kind of like coming to terms with like, oh yeah, of course, dude, that's freaking privilege. Well, and maybe part of it, this is also not a, but, but also your trial by fire could be different like everyone's gonna have their their job moments you know what i mean so like your your journey your your situation is going to look different than other people's so it's kind of hard to compare just because you haven't faced either the same or the same extent but i mean it's hard to compare that that's actually a really good point because literally you saying that reminded me that my wife and I have experienced two miscarriages. Um, yeah. And everyone's, everyone's definition of suffering and hope, I think even for that matter, is going to be different. Yeah. Because it's very heavily reliant on experience. Mm. And we all experience things differently, just like we all experience forgiveness differently or compassion you know there there's things that are universal but there are things that are very intimate and very unique to the situations and i think that i think optimism and hope is part of that and i i do think your privilege can be intertwined with that but i think it is kind of unfair to yourself to say well i haven't had you know those experiences well you don't have to 
you can have your own experiences and they can still be a great amount of suffering or pain or joy, whatever that looks like. Mm. It's hard to compare fruit when there's so many different types of fruit. I had a friend describe me once as an evergreen optimist, and I was like, oh, I feel like that is really accurate, actually. Like, (laughs) I think of, I really like thinking of optimism as like a general perspective and not just like the trajectory of something. Like, I think that optimism and pessimism are often like pitted at each other in terms of like, you think the world is going towards something good or you think the world is going Mm. towards something bad. Like, I think that happens in politics a lot. I also think it happens in the church. But I think I generally tend to view things optimistically, like whether it's giving people the benefit of a doubt or if I am like looking at an institution and I think that if I'm a part of it, I'm going to like be motivated to help it become better and more efficient. Like I've had that perspective on lots of things and people. And personally, I think it's meaningful. Like I do think that you can choose to be optimistic. But, but I like your question, Stephen. I'm I'm interested to see if you guys think there is a difference between optimism and hope, because optimism to me feels that feels more self-shaping to me versus hope feels more like uh, helpless. Oh, like I'm hoping for rescue or escape. Like I can't do anything, but I'm hoping for change oh. versus like optimism to me feels more like self-driven and motivated and I feel like I can see someone who operates optimistically without them telling me that, you know? Mm. See, I think hope is something that you want something good to happen in the future. And I think optimism is being full of hope. Mm, Okay. Hmm. Like, I don't think they're entirely like, I think hope, hope is the process that like you set for or you long for while optimism is the thought of hope. I think maybe to Josh's point, though, because I really like that the the optimism is maybe intertwined with that sense of motivation or like I can do something about it. And to your point, Emily, maybe being full of hope is what engages you to actually start doing the work. Yeah, I can see that. That's interesting. Yeah, because like privilege or not, I don't think anyone has a monopoly on hope. Like you, Like in the worst circumstances or the best circumstances, hope is available, right? Well, I think that's what's interesting about Christians and theologizing about hope and optimism, because like the Bible talks a lot about hope, doesn't talk a lot about optimism, but maybe that's just because it's like a modern definition. I don't know. But I think some Christians act like they do have a monopoly on hope. Like, I feel like (laughs) there's a lot of ways of depicting non-Christians as like hopeless or like we do not think about them optimistically because they're just headed the wrong direction and like nothing good is ever going to happen to them. Sure. And I mean, I think that's tragic personally, but like, I also kind of don't understand thinking that way. Like, why would you think that like other people don't have hope for things or like that their hope is empty, like as if they can't experience good and pleasurable things in this world? Because it gives that person the opportunity to bring hope into their lives. It's like bringing Jesus to to the third world country, so to speak. It's it's a chance for someone to bring hope to them. I'm not saying that's correct. Sure. Yeah. That's how they would frame it. It's an opportunity for them to to bring Jesus, to bring hope, you mm. know. Yeah, like convincing people that they are hopeless so that you can show them what your hope is. Yeah. Which is a great argumentation style, but it's not a great way to like create a disciple in my It's opinion. not life-giving. <laughs> <laughs> what a classic. Cuz it's true. It's so true. Like that would be the exact opposite of life-giving in my opinion. Yeah, the hand strikes and gives a flower. (laughs) Create the vacuum that you immediately backfill with Jesus and hope. Yeah, really? Yeah, I mean... That is an interesting contrast. Like, it's almost like convincing people pessimistically of their situation and giving them optimism. But it, like, feels really empty, I think. Mm -hmm. It's sales is what it is. It's like, it's convincing Mm -hmm. your prospective client that they have a need that only your product or service can fill. Sure. Like we've been talking about this in the discord actually is like, yeah, I I get the sense of out of evangelical or evangelism, not evangelicalism, but evangelism. I get the sense that it is like, it's very capitalistic. And obviously that gets linked to like 
you know, you could talk about colonization as well, right? Like those, those are pretty mm-hmm. tightly knit. Yeah. It's just, I think that's exactly it is like, let me convince you, you have a problem and that I alone am the salesperson with the product that can solve the problem for you. That's how salesmen are trained. I wouldn't know I'm not a salesman. Or am I? Well, as we shout out patrons on our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Emily, what do you think about Stephen's like guilty conscience about having like a relationship between privilege and optimism? Because I'm still kind of thinking about that. And I'm really curious what you think. I think he's on to something. I think I don't know if we will ever have an answer for that. Well, I really liked your point about like not it's not always fair to like compare your situation to other people. Right. And privilege is in a weird way. Privilege is the same thing. Like you can't compare your privilege to someone else's privilege. Hmm. I think there are I think there are unique experiences to privilege. And I think we don't even want to recognize that entirely. I think there is a universal idea of privilege. Absolutely. But I also think how that privilege is carried out and lived is very unique. And I think optimism can go hand in hand with privilege, but I also do not think people want to acknowledge that either because there are people who have a lot of privilege who feel that those who do not have privilege are whining are asking for too much are you know making a big fuss over nothing that really they're they have a sense of privilege that they just don't realize but you're not you're not saying that right but like you have privilege just like anyone else that is in your situation that is a white cisgender heterosexual male but i don't think if you like like if you and another white heterosexual cisgendered male who is approximately the same age as you were to come into the room i guarantee you you guys would still have a different experience with your privilege Mm. because maybe that person grew up in a lower income family or an upper class family or whatever that like there's always going to be something that is different that is going to change your understanding and your carrying out of privilege. I think, Stephen, you're onto something with, I think a lot of people are often blind to their own privilege or status or like favor as a blessing, as the Christians like to call it. And I think that that does correlate with like blind optimism. Like, I do think it's possible to be, I, I would equate that more with like toxic positivity. Yeah. Even though I don't love that phrase, but like when you are optimistic beyond evidence, like mm-hmm. it's such low hanging fruit, but like quitting a job, for example, like if you are just given reason after reason after reason to quit that, like it's not a good fit for you and you're just like always optimistic and like you refuse to see the, you refuse to see the in front of you that's like laying at your feet. Uh. I think that's being blindly optimistic. Like you're choosing to not see warning signs and red flags or even just things to fix that are out of your control. I think that that's blind optimism. And I don't think that's hope either. Actually, okay, so I was just thinking about mm. this. I think one thing that I can really appreciate about a lot of Christians' perspectives on hope is the preaching against putting your hope in something that is not going to save you. Yeah. Don't put your hope in fame. Don't put your hope in wealth. Don't put your hope in these politicians because they're not going to save you. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really wise, actually. Like, I mean, like anything, you can take it to the extreme and like... <laughs> Like, like it can totally be still used in that manipulative way of like the only thing to put your faith in and your hope in is this church right here. Mm, and like mm-hmm. we are we are the only answer for you. But I do think it's really why I think it's a very interesting, like almost ascetic perspective on like pleasure and like a way of being that like it's like it's almost a form of a religious view of no man is an island. Mm. Like we need to be together and it's like only together that we can like find this hope Mm. i mean even though it's almost always pointed towards jesus in the gospel but i do think that that is really meaning making for a lot of people and i think that that's valuable like that is more optimistic i think than telling people that they should just hope to be wealthy Mm. you know say that again um 
I think it's really valuable of a message overall that the church tends to give in regards to like telling people not to put false hope into things. Yeah. Without the feeling of pessimism. Like, I think that it's possible to demonstrate to people, don't put all your eggs in that basket. Like, it's okay to follow people on Twitter and like shows and like get raises, but like, don't put all of your hope in like gaining status because that's just going to leave you high and dry. Okay. And I think that that honestly provides a lot of like existential meaning to a lot of people. Like, I think it really helps guide people's motivations and optimism and. I think that's really valuable. I see what you're saying. I've always appreciated that kind of like thoughtful, it's almost minimalist message. (laughs) Keep your list of hopes very small, but in the ones that matter most kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think think it's almost similar to the way the church talks about idols, even though I don't quite agree with that oh interesting philosophy of thinking like i don't think like i don't know maybe it's just because i just remember so many people in like when i was in high school talking about idolizing things like we idolize celebrities and we idolize tv or like whatever but sure i mean i think we idolize wealth and power and stuff and especially in the american mindset and i do think that that is more closely related to hope like false hope I like I don't think that hoping in things mm. is the same thing as optimism. Like hoping that you will gain something that will make your life better and increase your quality of life. I don't think is the same thing as optimism. I think optimism is more like like a perspective on people. Mm. Oh, I like that. Or situations. I think I <laughs> I, I definitely res- resonate with a perspective on people being what optimism is for me because I I guess that's one of the things that like mainly drove my question about that that Twitter poll was I just I love giving people the benefit of the doubt and assuming the best intentions all the time (laughs) (laughs) and I I think I've just learned to do that by default Mm. and even then I think whether it's beneficial or healthy That's kind of what I'm wondering now is like, I mean, Emily helped me literally like recall a memory of like, oh yeah, I've had two miscarriages and like, are my skills at reframing so good that like, it's easy for me to forget the bad stuff, Hmm. you know, like I I assume the best of intentions from everyone I meet. And I, I guess that perspective is kind of inspired by like a lot of Enneagram work for me, especially speaking of Enneagram types as like growing out of like a childhood wound. So like I like to think of people as children in adult bodies sometimes. I'm like, oh, or just like, oh, maybe the worst version of it is like that Twitter poet that was talking about like if only I was uh, Putin's mother. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Right. Like if I were your mother, you would have been loved and cherished and you would have never done this kind of thing which is a very optimistic view (laughs) yes i don't know if i would go that far but i also i tend to look at people even acting poorly or acting even maliciously like crimes happen right i i can't be so far removed from reality to recognize that like murders don't happen right or wars don't happen but at the same time like i i think i'm able to reframe to like yeah, a lot of us are just scared. A lot of us just feel like scared children and we never develop the skills mm. to like work with those feelings. So I can like I can reframe the heck out of most anything, right? And humanize, at least in my perspective, like humanize someone acting poorly toward me. Yeah, I don't know. Is that maladaptive or not? Is that like I find it a delightful experience of life to think that someone's not out to get me. Well, and kind of along the same lines, I think that the Christian idea of forgiveness, like I think regardless of someone's atonement theology, a lot of Christians think the same way about forgiveness. Like they, huh? at least the way I've heard it, it's usually theologized in a way that's like forgiveness is possible. Like either mm. I can forgive you or God can forgive you. Like it is kind of like, even if you believe that 
humans are totally depraved. It is a pretty optimistic view. Like if actually, now that I think about it, if you do believe humans are totally depraved Mm -hmm. and you believe that they can be forgiven, that's pretty optimistic. Yeah. Like that's, that's pretty generous. So maybe that is where you get it from. But is that bad? No, I don't think so. Personally. The question does arise though for uh, staunch tulip believers as to whether I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we can call it forgiveness, but there's also something about the like the election, right? Of like, yeah, we're totally depraved, and I just happen to be one of the lucky ones that was reserved from before the foundations of the earth to be the elect to like enjoy the fruits of heaven, right? Mm. Especially in a predestined way. Does that make sense? Yes. But, well, I'll say more, like... Well, I just, to hold consistent to, like, a full tulip mm-hmm. Calvinist theology in a predestined way, like, we're all totally depraved because of the fall. And Josh, I think, has a good optimistic point of, like, if you believe in total depravity... That was a weird way of saying that. If you believe in <laughs> total depravity and you believe that anyone can be forgiven, then I totally mm-hmm. agree. But I think the the consistent version of like the full on Calvinist view is that the elect have always been the elect to be the redeemed and the damned have always been the damned. Mm. Mm -hmm. I guess that's what I'm saying is like at at which point is like that feels like the ultimate privilege. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, ah, yes, thank God I'm part of the elect wretch I am. And yet. Like, thank God I'm not like one of those sinners. Which is interesting because then like forgiveness really doesn't do anything. Yeah, exactly. In that worldview. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like on the personal level or on the like divine to human level? Both. Mm. Say more. What do you mean? Because I think if you, if you truly believe that, then how, how can you either A, be forgiven for something or B, Give forgiveness if you truly believe that only the elect are good, like they're well off and they're fine and dandy and and everyone else is screwed. Like, how do you personally believe in forgiveness if you truly believe there's only a certain group of people that are going to be fit for heaven? Because the haters are always going to hate and the reprobates are always going to reprobate. That's funny. (laughs) Reprobate's going to (laughs) reprobate. Tweet that right now. That is very funny. Um, well, I can't on my phone because I have I the app uninstalled. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we just want to say how honored we are that you listen to Ravel. Seriously, there's a lot of great shows out there, and we're grateful to be in your feed. Thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people asking questions about theology. If you want to support what we're doing, the best way to help is to tell a friend about us. We want to be a resource for people on their faith journeys, whether they're deconstructing, reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between. And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, Don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency. For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, so we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you. Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music, In Full Color. Ravel is a founding podcast of the Highline Media Network. And here's a word from one of our sister shows, No Normal People. Hello, friends. This is Stephen and Dixie Lee with No Normal People. We are hard at work on season three of the podcast that will be coming out April of 2022. 
and we would like to extend a formal invitation to you. Do you like rocks? Or beans? Or planes? Yeah, I like beans. We People like those things. <laughs> and you might also like those things. And we would love to talk about it with you. If you like those things or have other or passions other and things. interests that you want to talk about. It and doesn't you, have to exclusively be those things. We would love to feature you <laughs> on No Normal People. And you can sign up to be on the show by emailing us at nopeoplepod at gmail.com. That's K-N-O-W people pod. Or sign up on our show page at www.highline.network. And bonus points if you actually do want to talk about beans. I love beans. I like coffee beans. That's a good bean. Oh, oh gosh, this coffee is gross. <laughs> I'm tired of this coffee. I need to try something new. Please help me out here. Do any of you have any suggestions? Emily, you've come to the right place. Uh, Steven and I are the resident coffee snobs of the podcast, and we are here to help you. Oh, bless. We are here to save the day with the Highline Blend roasted by the Montana local international award-winning roaster, Revel Coffee. When you order a bag from our Highline merch store, you can directly support the show you love with every bag you buy. Oh, I need to give that a try. So if you want to try new coffee with me, go ahead and order directly from our shop. That's highline.network forward slash shop. I don't know why, but I think of hope as lesser than optimism. Like lesser, like almost in a like I'm powerless or like this is not this is like a pipe dream kind of thing. Sure. Like, I hope to write a book someday, or I hope I get rescued, or... That's why it feels the other way around for me, is like... Oh. I, like, it's the inspiring... It's the moonshot, right? Yeah. Maybe there is, like, a hopeless... Well, not a hopeless, but a helplessness to it. But at the same time, to Emily's point earlier, is, like, being optimistic is being full of hope, and maybe it takes, like, the moonshot idea of, like, I hope I can one day, you know, pull that off. Mm-hmm. And then being full of that. I mean, like, so dumb example is like, I hope one day I can be a, like, make a living full time doing podcasts because I love them. And at the beginning, when that hope is just like a seed of like, wouldn't that be cool one day? Like being full of that for long enough is like, oh, let's start a podcast and let's start a second mm. and a third and then let's start a network. And like, you know, sure. like it, it, uh, holding on to a hope that seems helplessly far away eventually leads you to a place where you realize it's attainable. I like that description. Well, thank you. Emily, I would be really curious to hear what you think of Jesus being described as like the hope of the world or the hope for humanity or along those lines. Mm. Like, would you use that language? I, I don't know. Fair. I don't know. And I think like, I see where people are coming from when they use that. But I think like, well, okay, I guess I, I would. Yes. Because if I, if I see hope as being more of a, like a motivational state, mm. That's it's based like for me, hope again is like the emotion, like it's the the mental emotion that helps you look towards something. It's like goal directed and like you have like hopefully a plan to meet those goals. So like I'm hopeful for this is a long shot. I'm hopeful for world peace. Right. And then you like you have dialogue around like ways of achieving that. Whereas optimism is more of like, I think, just a personal core belief in someone's future as being good or positive. Mm. So, like, you you don't see Jesus as being described as the optimism of the world. Okay. But he's the hope of the world. Like, he he is someone that shows the world goals and then pathways to achieve that goal. Oh, man. Okay. I don't know why, but my mind just served me up the uh, the one-two punch of like Jesus being the hope of the world is like because we also tied optimism to like the root word for like vision or optometry, right? So like, mm-hmm. so it turns out I looked it up. The that root uh, in Latin means best. 
like ah. Optima. Ah. So like ah. mm-hmm. you believe that things could be better. Your vision is better. Yeah. That ma- I that makes sense. Is that the root of the like going to the eye doctor? Yeah. That's the same word. Is prime is prime like a synonym? I think so. So Optimus Prime would be best best. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's funny. He's the best, best transformer. He is the best. That's so good. He's the best, best of us. transformer. Yeah. So Jesus would basically be like Optimus, Optimus Prime. Prime. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Actually, I lied. Um, it's not the same root as optometry. Okay. Optometry comes from the Greek, and it means like to measure or rule. I was gonna say that sounded more. That sounded the view, mm-hmm. the measure of viewing. Interesting. Okay, so definitely different words. Well, I can't make that connection anymore. Where I was going with that was like, <laughs> I've heard some pretty compelling sermons about the way you know when the Israelites were in the desert and they were all being bit by snakes, and Moses was like, "What the heck do we do about this?" And God was like. Make a bronze snake and put it up I on a pole. I had a sermon about this. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. put it up on a pole, mm-hmm. and whoever looks at the bronze serpent will be healed of their snake bites. Mm-hmm. And that's how the story goes, and they do it, and people get healed by looking at the bronze serpent. And I've always heard people say, like, and then look what happened to Jesus, right? Like, Jesus is the bronze serpent on the cross, and look to him, and you'll be healed, and you'll be, right? But, like, mm-hmm. so... Mm-hmm. We obviously see the one-two punch there of how the sermon gets built. I'm sure that's how your sermon went, Emily. Uh, you could probably fill in some great details. but Not entirely, but yeah. In the sense of, like, in the story, the hope of the poisoned Israelites was to look to something to be healed in the same way I've heard pastors use that to be, like, the hope of our poisoned world, right, our war-addled world is to look to Jesus on the cross in the same way and find healing in, like, the crucified God. Hmm. Yeah. How did your sermon go? Now I'm curious. (laughs) Well, so, this is a thing. I was pregnant when I was giving this sermon, so I got to remember back to... Yeah, pregnancy brain. Yeah. Let me tell you, (laughs) that's a reality. That sounds similar, but I think I actually tied it more to... The sense of like idols, also, and I know Josh, you're like, oh, idols, what? Um, Perfect impression, by the way. Oh, thank you. I th- that was thank you. <laughs> I thought I was pretty spot on. I want to. I'm actually going to pull up my sermon notes now. Hold on. Okay. I'm I'm intrigued by this. So let me let me. Notes are always a good way of keeping your memory alive. Yes, they are. Josh, do you kind of see where I'm going with this? With like that idea of well. Now I'm not allowed to link optometry in the sense of vision to like hope because that's a Latin and a Greek word. But at least that sense of hope of like, yeah, I guess like giving you, yeah, I guess giving you a goal. That sounds very like self-help book. Like Yeah, like, but like the the image that I have in my head is like, I think it's only because you made the Moses connection. Like, I don't think, like if we're going to look at the story of the Ten Commandments, I don't think the God character is depicted as just ringing their hands and thinking, oh, God, I just hope these humans follow these rules. Like, oh, like it's an expectation. Mm. Yeah, I almost think of, I think optimism is more like, it sounds so cheesy, but I think of it more as like a way of being. <laughs> like, okay. like, it's almost like the therapist telling the patient, you know, I hear you, but there's, there might be a better way to this situation. You might not have the best answers here. Hmm. It, it, I think it's a very humanizing take like to your point Stephen about like assuming positive intent I think that's a lot of it and I also think it's a very healing view like sure. I think that Jesus demonstrates a lot of optimism in like being depicted as healing people and reaching out to people that were looked down on societally and like subverting a lot of the uh, like power structure expectations uh, Okay. in some ways I think Jesus in the stories is turning the head on the way that people were told to hope, like hoping Mm. for like, like for instance, hoping for Messiah, like Jesus is really subverting all of the messianic hopes that people had interpreted at the time. Oh, definitely. And I think he's speaking with a lot more optimism than what they had hoped for. If that makes sense. Yes. And this actually, I've, I've now found it in my sermon notes. So I basically talked about, 
where healing comes from oh, and where it does not come from. And so, like, for me, I talked about the, the brazen serpent as a, a symbol for healing, but it wasn't the source of healing. Interesting. I like that. Okay. And so go off Jesus on the cross. It's an interesting relationship because Jesus dying on the cross, like that provided a sense of like it provided salvation, but it wasn't like that became a symbol of salvation. Hmm. Oh, yeah. It became a symbol of salvation. So like the people look towards the serpent. They weren't healed because of the serpent on the pole. Like that wasn't the source of their healing. But when Jesus died on the cross, they were reminded of where healing truly comes from. And it wasn't the fact that it's Jesus is the snake. Like it was it was beyond that. It was more than just Jesus dying on the cross. Does that make sense? Yeah. OK. So like it's not that you're looking at the statue of a snake and it's not that you're looking at a crucifix or like Jesus on the cross. But it's like mm-hmm. your faith has made you well. Yeah. Oh. Okay. And to think about like where where healing, where salvation, like where does it truly come from? And I think hope can be the same. Like where does where does your hope truly lie? You know? What that what a phrase. That is what I've heard that phrase so many times. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Christians are too optimistic? Or is that just a stereotype? That's a great question. I've been asking myself that about me this whole time, but like, yeah, maybe it's just Christians in general. (laughs) We're too optimistic. Well, and do you think that comes from our belief in where salvation comes from? Because I think if we, I know for me, I can be pretty optimistic knowing that, you know, God loves everyone and I've been forgiven and I've been redeemed and I have salvation through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And I think that's where, like, now thinking back to my sermon, like, that's why so many people were like, ah, aha, because if we just focus so much on just the crucifixion, like, we're losing sight in what happened after that. It was the hope of resurrection. Uh, It wasn't the hope of Jesus dying on the cross. It was the hope of what happened after. So in knowing where love and salvation comes from, yeah, I think people I think it's very easy for Christians to want to be very optimistic. Yeah, resurrection is a pretty optimistic take on the way the world uh, I works. Would, I would think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. I think who would we be though if we're like in the season of Lent and uh, what what I often hear people set up Lent to be is like yes, Easter is great, but let us not forget like what it took to get there kind of thing, right? Like you think of like But yeah, but uh, it doesn't have to be dismal. I mean, that the that's that's the one thing that's bugged me about Lent is people are like, oh yeah, but Lent is like such a drag. And I'm like, no, it's really not. Like, I like it, it in can, the sense of like Ash Wednesday is kind of like the memento mori moment, right? Of like recognize that from dust we came and from dust we shall return. I also, of the entire season, I think Good Friday has, uh, Good Friday has its merits, as if I can just brush it away like that. But like a Silent Saturday is my favorite part of the whole season because I think mm. it, it symbolically holds so much. Again, to my felt experience of miscarriage, of like everything just felt as if it was all an available void with which God could fill with his voice or with hope or with optimism. And for a good few months, it just felt like God just didn't want to talk to me, you know? Mm -hmm. So like a silent Saturday is pretty dismal, but also right. We have Easter Sunday the next day kind of thing. That's why I like the 40 days leading up to it. Yeah. Because people think wilderness, they think, Oh, they're lost or it's this desert. And it's like, no, Wilderness in the Greek just means like uninhabited, like isolation, like loneliness. Mm. But that doesn't have to be a bad thing. And I think that's a chance for us to explore. And I think there's hope in that. (laughs) There's hope in that. An optimistic reframing is just a nice backpacking trip. (laughs) Oh, my God. Right? (laughs) No. It's just uninhabited. You're just backpacking with Jesus. Hey, I mean, if that's how you want to look at it, I can't. I can't tell you how to look at it. That is the most youth pastory metaphor you've said in a while. Youth pastory. Uh Yeah. Well, thank you. 
full of those. Did you guys know I once wanted to be a youth pastor? Oh, yes. we all did. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone knew Stephen. Felt called into that ministry. Everyone in our generation was groomed to think they wanted to become a youth pastor. <laughs> groomed. What a word. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh, of course we were. I think it was um, natural. So- I think it's natural just based on you yeah, like especially the good youth pastor, right? Like I I I could tell you the name of the guy who made me want to be a youth pastor because I was like Totally. Wow, he just makes me feel so at home, and like he's funny. He's fun to be you around. You mean the optimal? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, I do. I think you're right. I think it's the same mechanism that causes people to gravitate towards a really good teacher, and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's because of that teacher. I want to become a history teacher, or I'm interested in history. Like, totally. I do think you're right. It's the teachers that often inspire us to hope for more for ourselves. Pass it on, right? I've been thinking this whole time about also Christians leaving the church and like rethinking their faith and like feeling like it's all unraveling or deconstruction is happening or whatever. I think that those people, which which is so unfortunate because I think they're often the most outcast feeling already. I think they are painted as the most pessimistic people. Like they're painted as Mm. the church haters and they want to tear it all down and like they don't think religion is good for anything, which I, I will admit people are out there who think that. Like, I think that they're more like militant atheists than they are recently post-church people. But sure. I think it's a very inaccurate depiction. And I would argue that those people tend to more often be hoping for something better. Like they, uh. are, they are looking at the hope that they were handed and told that they believed in. And then they see how the church is acting that out and showing that it believes in other things. And they're seeing the mismatch. And I think personally that a lot of those people that are walking away or like whatever you want to call it, like however they're exploring their faith and their beliefs, I think that those people are often searching for a better way. And I think that Mm. they're looking more optimistically than pessimistically. And I think that like maybe you could argue that they're kind of searching for something to put their hope in. I don't know. Like that's kind of semantic y, but like I do think they're more optimistic than pessimistic most of the time says the evergreen optimist (laughs) (laughs) trying to see the best in people (laughs) no i think i think that's a great point at least that's that you know confirmation bias right that lines up with my experience like i want something better it's it's not i don't feel like i'm holding any more poison in my veins for just being angry at the bad right like i'm hoping for something better and actively searching for it right but also this example that i'm using i do think is a good showcase of it's so hard to see the best in people and be optimistic about people in situations when you have the tendency to think in us versus them categories yeah right Mm -hmm. like if you paint someone like the other or that like somehow they are opposed to you of course you're not going to think optimistically about them Mm mm-hmm because you don't wish the best for them. <laughs> sure. Which is kind of rough, but... Kind of. Yeah, that's a good point. Hmm. Lots to think about. Thank you for helping me process this tonight. I appreciate this. Um, Did it go as well as you hoped? <laughs> that was, I'm sorry, that was low-hanging. Would, would, you, would you believe me if I said it went better than I hoped? <laughs> <sighs> so that means you're not optimistic, That's Steven. right. <laughs> No, I, I I had a high bar. Okay. Mm. Actually, that's a great point is like, I expect good things for myself and I expect good things for the people around me. And like, you know, like I, I prep a D&D session, right? Because I'm game master right now for my group and I show up and I expect it to be the best session we've ever played. Mm. And I think it would be really easy. Part of me, man. I'm wondering if there is a part of that expectation of, is it, am I coming to terms, am I doing it live right here as I stutter through my sentence? <laughs> um, my new question is like, do I think I'm God's gift to the world? <laughs> okay, I definitely, I hate this, but I've been described that way for multiple circumstances. And I don't mm-hmm. think that, like I don't. Yeah. I hate that I've come across that way before, truly, because... Maybe that's privilege talking, though, I'm, like, right? so aware mm. of how incorrect I am 
in every circumstance, you know? Well, hold on, hold on. Who's to say you're not? Because what if we are all oh, God's gift my God. to the world? All, every single one of us. Everyone is a gift of God for everyone. <laughs> like, why can't that be reality? Emily, well, I am the proudest person I know. And I even I don't think I can say that. <laughs> but why not? She's giving us space, Josh. No, I hear what you're saying. Like, that's a very humanizing view. But like. I feel like the God's gift to the world thing is more like the worst version of it is like I like in the office, I'm at work and I look at the product of someone who like is part of my team and I'm the supervisor and I look at it. And I'm like, I could have done that better. You know, I think that's the worst of it is like when it gets you into the mindset of comparison and sure you, the gut, the gut feeling being like, I could have done better because I'm God's gift to the world, you know? Yeah, I think it depends on how it's being used. Sure, sure. Because like when someone comes up like today after church, I was holding Thea as people were getting ready for fellowship. They're like, oh, she's a God's gift to the world. I'm not going to be like, damn right she is. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm also not going to be like, no, no, I don't think so. Like, I think she's God's gift to the world because she's a child and like she's innocent and wonderful and pure. And yeah. like she's a gift in my world and in my life. But I'm not going to. Like, I'm not going to equate that as being better or more valuable than others. I think sure. when at least when I say or use the expression, you're God's gift to the world, it's just seeing the genuine gift that is that person. Oh, my so God. I okay. think it just depends on how it's being used. It looks like I'm seeing in my mind, you know, that new meme with uh, Dr. Strange and Scarlet Witch. That's like <laughs> I'm seeing this meme of like, you call me. God's gift to the world and it's fine, but I call myself God's gift to the world and everyone hates me for it. That doesn't seem that's fair. That's funny. Right? I, because I think Josh, you used the exact right word for it. I think that's like what Christians talk about when we're talking about pride versus humility mm -hmm. is like, if you, if you start adopting a mindset of like, yeah, yeah, I am God's gift to the world. <laughs> that's pride. Right. Whereas if somebody else like gifts you that, sense or that feeling it's like oh thank you i appreciate that i think that's exactly what you flipped around on josh and i when we were talking about that at the very beginning it's like well who's mm. to say you're not god's gift to the world it's if, <laughs> but it like yeah i just think the danger is like if if i start believing that about myself i'm gonna turn into a real did we get that phrase from jesus god's gift to the world no oh no you don't think so no it feels real jesus-y to me no. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Yeah, it's literally John 3.16. <laughs> yeah, but it's not Jesus saying that. Yeah. No, but like Jesus is like painted as God's gift to the world. So like when someone right, uses but, the phrase like, oh, he thinks he's God's gift to the world. It's like a euphemism for he like is putting himself on the level of Jesus. Like a Messiah complex. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, but yes. Okay. Christians think they're God's gift to the world for sure. Literally. But again, it's someone else it's someone else saying that about Jesus. It's not Jesus himself saying that. Do you get where the pride and like it depends on how it's being used? That gets that gets very confusing when it's at his baptism and God is telling God, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Because the one in all and the one in three Trinity thing is like <laughs> sorry, I'm just pulling your leg. That 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 one is no, like God. I, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Emily. <laughs> Like it's the difference between I'm gonna punch you both in the face. It's the difference between <laughs> wow. I feel like it's the difference between a church or a pastor or someone in power saying, "Look, put your faith in Jesus. Like Jesus is like the moral hope for humanity," versus a church or a pastor saying, "Look, we are your hope. We are your mm -hmm, only hope." Because mm -hmm. that's oh my, that's very much vibes of like Obama giving Obama the medal, right? That meme. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, That's the joke I was just making about God the Father saying, This is my son in whom I well pleased. Yeah, That's funny. Yeah. 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 Actually, make we it. should make that meme. That's a great meme. We should we make should. that meme. We yeah. Should. Look to the Instagram, folks, I guess. Wow. That's an angle that I wasn't expecting to uncover at the very at the end here. Well, there you go. Huh. Any closing thoughts from you two? Just that you two give me a headache, but you know. I'm well. Let me let me tell you, Emily. I'm optimistic that you won't punch me in the face next time we see each other in person. 
<laughs> You're right. I won't. I can't. Yeah. I believe the best. In I you. don't know if it's my Enneagram nineness or my Christian background or my just general aptitude as a person, but I like optimism. I think it's valuable. <laughs> Feels nice. Yeah. Yeah. I do it like does it. feel great. It yeah. really does. So Dixie and I do um, every year we call it our marriage maintenance weekend and we get an Airbnb out of town and we go spend two nights and we kind of go through a process of kind of looking at different categories for our life and just like set goals for the next year and talk about what we want the next year to look like in terms of our marriage. Um, but we always start the weekend with talking like what went well over the last year and what didn't go well over the last year. Aww. And consistently for the last like four years running now, the list of what went well is so much bigger all the time Aww. for us than what didn't. And what, like we just noticed that at this last one and we're looking at like what didn't go well and like two items and what didn't go well was like two miscarriages. Right. So that yeah. represents like pretty big mm. moments, but all right. in all, like I think Dixie and I doing this exercise is we're kind of like even tuning our memories toward optimism and positivity. Right. Mm. And just like recalling all the good things that happened. I like that. I think I thought of the phrase I was looking for, continuous improvement. I think optimism is mm. being minded towards continuous improvement and the fact that like your marriage mindfulness thing is like gotten more good items on it now yeah. is representative of you are continuously improving. Wow. Yeah, I like that. And like boy scouts are taught to leave a place better than when you found it. Like they are taught to be optimistic. So I think it's it's I think it's very possible to like teach people how to be healthily optimistic mm -hmm. towards continuous improvement. That's a great way to wrap up, Josh. I think that's perfect. Oh, well, thank you. I'm glad I that. Even, uh, yeah, I don't even want to yeah. say anything like that. Was oh, just... What can I say? I'm God's gift to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, if you want to follow us on social media, uh, we're on the <laughs> socials uh, individually and as Ravel. Uh, but if you made it all the way through this episode, thank you. And we would be honored if you shared it with someone else that you think would enjoy some thoughts on optimism. And additionally, if you have thoughts on Ravel, any other show on the Highline Network or the network itself, you can fill out the Highline survey at highline.network slash survey. It takes less than three minutes and you get free stuff out of it that I'd love to send you with a handwritten note. Emily, will you give us some hope for the future? <laughs> I almost said seed. I almost said, will you like implant in us a seed of hope? And then I was like, oh, nope. Oh, nope. nope. That's what that's what Elise would call a moist word. A moist ooh, word. Ooh, a moist ooh, word. Yeah. Also, shout out to the newest patron, Elise. Yeah, shout out to Elise. <laughs> Thanks for buying our drinks tonight. None of us were drinking alcohol and we were very no. giggly today. I like <laughs> very that. Giggly. Yeah, for yeah, not having um, substance abuse on the show. We were very good because we're full of optimism and hope, baby. Wait, were we caffeine free this episode as well? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, is this our first substance free? That was very <laughs> fitting for a, a show about optimism. Yeah, it was very nice. We I almost yes. brought up like AA and that was. We don't you know, need drugs to make us feel optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, on that note. Yeah. Give us a. I. I actually have a quote um, from the wonderful president, Franklin D. Roosevelt. We have always held to the hope, the belief, the conviction that there is a better life, a better world beyond the horizon. I liked that quote. That was good. Oh, thank you. I was about that to was say good. the word of God for the people of God. <laughs> Thanks be to God. <laughs> oh, amazing. Amazing. JFK, FDR, one, two, three. You guys ever play True American? No. Do no. you know how to play? So no. Okay. So the people who like have made up the rules that you can like Google, 
they've just like based it off of what it appears to be happening in on New the Girl. show. Yeah. Yeah, but they've just made up rules. It's like it's like you make your living room a board game and and the floor is lava. And the floor is lava. Yeah. I want to play it sometime, but um I just found out today that Elise does not listen to the ends of these episodes. So Oh no. If she what? tells me that we're going to play True American sometime, I will know that she listened to this. Oh. On her call out episode. Amazing. Yeah, on her shout out. What happened to my voice just now? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very creepy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. You two stop. Oh, my Are God. Are you optimistic? Kool Aid. No. Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Kool Aid, man. Yeah. What the hell? All right. Stop your recordings. Hello, and welcome to No Normal People. This is a show where we prove that the more you get to know the normal people in your life, you discover that there really are no normal people in your life. You know how there's like famous people in the world that are known very well and how they go on podcasts? Yeah. Well, we don't do marketable that. Marketable names and yeah, audience. Yeah, buzzwords, and, buzz yeah, names. Social following. Yeah. And, John yeah. Buzz. And, well, we interview people like your Uncle Terry, who collects model trains. Because he's normal. We'll even interview you, even if you don't have the cool trains that your uncle has. You can email us at nopeoplepod at gmail.com or visit our show page on www.highline.network to sign up to be on the show. And remember, the only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well. Highline Media Network. Artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.